0: Hi, everybody. Hey, welcome. Uh, so great to see you here. And a special shout out to all the uh, moms and the grand- grandmothers and future moms and uh, just all the uh, ladies. Uh, thanks so much for making River Glen uh, part of your Mother's Day uh, weekend. Yeah, being a mom, I'm sure, is a lot of work and it's not easy. And, and so we want to celebrate moms uh, this weekend. And we've got uh, chocolates in the lobby for all the ladies. So be sure to stop by. We also have professional photographers, stop by, get your picture taken for free, and so uh, don't miss out on that. And uh, we also want to do a little giveaway here. We got a little gift that uh, we want to give away. Julie's going to help me out here, and uh, we're looking for, uh, we want to find out who the mom is who's got the most kids currently living in your house, and this includes stepkids and uh, foster kids, you know, add them all up, right, count them all up, and uh, show of hands, um, um, anybody have four kids Oh Yeah, okay. I think we got got several there. Uh, how about five? Anybody have five? Oh. Okay, I think we've got winners over here. We've got, we got a few with four. We've got some extra gifts. And uh, Julie will make her way over. Thanks, Julie. And uh, enjoy those gifts. You need those with all those kids. You're going to need that gift. So hope you hope you enjoy that. You deserve it. Uh, somebody gave me this poem about motherhood that I want to share with you. It goes like this. To those... Who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate you with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you forgive us when we say foolish things we don't mean to make this harder than it is to those who are foster moms mentor moms and spiritual moms we need you to those who have warm and close relationships with your children we celebrate with you to those who have disappointment heartache and distance with your children we sit with you to those who lost their mothers this year we grieve with you to those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother we acknowledge your experience To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way you longed for it to be. To those who step-parents, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who envision lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. To those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for the selflessness And remember how you hold that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we've got real warriors in our midst. We remember you. And so be sure to honor the moms in your world uh, this weekend. And guys, don't forget to call your moms. All right, be sure to do that. All right, we're continuing this series. It's called uh, Hope Rising, and uh, we've been, each week we've been talking about uh, circumstances or situations where it might be hard to find hope. So far, here's what we've uh, talked about in this series. We, we've looked at this question. You know, what do you do when you're not happy with the hand of cards that you've been dealt? And, uh, and then we talked about what do you do when you just feel like giving up hope? And now this week, what do you do when you feel like Your pace of life, the speed of your life is just out of control. And I think probably many moms can relate to that question because so many of us, especially moms, feel like we are just, you know, pedal to the metal, juggling so many things, keeping so many plates spinning, and our life is just going at a crazy speed. Now, I don't know if you realize it or not, but, you know, in other parts of the country, they think, uh, you know, Wisconsin is the Midwest, and it's kind of slow-paced. Uh, life here, you know, it's kind of laid back, but we, those of us that live here, we know that it's different, right? In fact, for many of us, I think the picture of our life, the symbol for our life is right there. It's a race car, because so many of us are just living life as fast as we can, because we've got so much going on. I remember when we moved here from Kentucky, we moved to Wisconsin, and I drove on the, on the uh, uh, freeway, and I thought, you know what, maybe Wisconsin has uh, changed to the metric system or something, because the uh, speed limit sign that said 45 mile an hour speed limit really meant 60, and 65 really meant 80, and construction work zone meant absolutely nothing. Yeah, and, you know, you got to adapt. You feel like you have to adapt or get run over because the speed of life is so fast. Just to prove my point, I want to put some statements up here on the uh, screen, and uh, I want you to finish them if you can and just yell them out. All right, just take this little quiz. All right, let's start here. I'm at the end of my, yeah, you got it, exactly. My life is falling apart. I'm at my wit's end. Yeah, I'm so stressed. Some of you are getting more animated as we're going along here. My boss, my spouse, my kids are driving me Crazy. crazy. Yeah, I exploded today and lost my temper or mind. Judges will take either answer. Uh, sometimes when somebody cuts me off in traffic, I experience road. Yeah, you got all those, even though you live in Wisconsin. Very good. Recently, I came across this article written by a guy by the name of Jay Wall Jasper, a fascinating article about the speed of life. And what I want to do is I want to take the point that he makes in that article, and I want to illustrate it with a speedometer. Wall Jasper says that if you go back to the first 1800 years, from AD, 0 AD to 1800 AD, I mean, life went about five miles an hour. A real slow pace. I mean, think about it. Think about the way that products and uh, goods and information and people moved. I mean, it was very slow, unless you had a swift horse or you had a boat and a really strong wind. I mean, everybody walked pretty much everywhere, and life moved along at about five miles an hour. But then in the late 1700s, because of a flurry of changes, uh, life began to speed up because of stagecoaches and railroads and steamships and those kinds of things. It It got faster and faster, and it moved up to about 30 miles an hour here. And they even began to discover changes in upholstery that allowed stagecoaches to go further and faster because padded upholstery was a little kinder to our backside. And so the speed of life moved up to about 30 miles an hour. But then around 1900 came the invention of the car, and the pace of life was n- would never be the same. Did you know in 1898, there were only about 30 automobiles on the roads? A decade later, in 1908, there were over 700 factories, producing cars in our country. And the pace of life increased somewhere to up around 100 miles an hour. And not just the car, there were other innovations that led to life going faster. For instance, in 1953, a guy by the name of uh, Carl Swanson invented something that changed the way we do life. Anybody know what Carl Swanson? Yeah, you got it, the TV dinner. Remember these things that uh, tasted like aluminum foil? Remember that? And uh, now you can sit in front of TV and and eat your dinner the way God intended, right? Um, But it's better life up the way you do dinner. And then in 1973, another company opened up that could take your document when it absolutely positively had to be there the the next day. Uh, Anybody know the name? FedEx opened up, and that changed everything. But then in the 1980s, FedEx seemed like a slow-moving turtle, because of the invention of the fax machine. Remember the fax machine? You know, that wonderful, annoying-sounding device that allowed you to fax a document, you know, around the country or around the world. And And then in the 1990s, the widespread use of email and electronic communication started to make that walk down the hallway to use the fax machine seem like a waste of time. But then we moved into the 2000s, and things really got crazy, you know. And the speed, om- the speed of life went up to about 200 uh, miles an hour here because now you've got your smartphone, right? And everything's right there on your fingertips. All your emails and your texts and your contacts and your social media and your GPS and your angry birds, it's all right there. Everything that you need. And now suddenly the promise that your phone will allow you to work, you know, any place, anytime, and, uh, you know, make life easier for you Now you're able to work everywhere all the time, and it just makes life even faster. And now we're going at this 200-mile-an-hour pace. I want to show you a video. Somebody sent me this that shows how, over the years, pit stops have changed in uh, auto racing, and it illustrates how the speed of life has gotten faster and faster. Take a look at the screens. Pit stops have changed a little bit, haven't they? (laughs) Life's just gotten faster, crazy fast, isn't it? But, you know, remember, for 1,800 years, everything was over here, right? And especially for the last 15 years, it's over there, pedal to the metal, 200 miles an hour. And now I want to talk to you about the effect this has on our lives. I want to put some gauges up here on the dashboard. And the first one is when it comes to your physical life, okay? And this is your health, your mental state, Your cholesterol, your triglycerides, and all these other words you learn when you turn 40 years old. Physically speaking, you know, uh, let me ask you this question. Would you say that you feel, you know, healthy and full, you know, over here? Or would you say you feel empty and uh, not so healthy um, over here? You know, several years ago, uh, I felt like I was over here on this end of the gauge, and uh, here's what happened after River Glen started. I just allowed the pace of my life to get faster and faster. And I didn't take time for exercise. And I didn't eat right. And uh, consequently, I put on a lot of weight. Some of, you, uh, some of you may remember. Until one day, I stepped on the scale. And the scale said, one at a time, please. <laughs> and I'm telling you, when that happens, you know, you know uh, you're know, you over here, right over here. yeah. And maybe for some of you, the amount of sleep that you get, the amount of exercise that you get, uh, the amount of food or the food that you eat. If I were to ask you, where are you physically? You know, maybe you'd say, you know, you're over here on the empty side of the gauge. Hey, let's take a look at another one. How about the relational gauge here? You know, wh- wh- how are you doing relationally speaking? Uh, your, your friends, your family, your coworkers, your spouse, would they tend to refer to you as a person who is just filled with joy and happiness and contentment, or a person who's constantly bitter, and angry, and complaining, and talking down other people to make yourself feel better. How you doing on that gauge? Here's a third one, spiritually speaking, and I know some of you are just beginning here, but when was the last time that you felt so close to God, that the speed of your life calmed down to the point where you could literally feel God, you know, in your heart, leading you to do what he wanted you uh, to do? Not an audible voice, not even an audible voice, but you just knew he was just guiding, leading your heart. Or would you say that, you know, you're so busy, you couldn't hear from God if you, if you wanted to because there's so much noise in your life. You see, Here's the problem uh, of living at, at 200 miles an hour. Nothing good happens in our lives at that speed. I mean, think about the issues with your health You know, getting healthy is not about you right now going out and, you know, trying to sprint a marathon and drinking green tea the whole way. And, you know, now you're a picture of perfect health. Good health doesn't happen at 200 miles an hour. Think about your marriage. Have you ever been able to build intimacy and closeness in your marriage, moving at 200 miles an hour? Or how about in your parenting? Have you ever really been able to get into the heart of your son or daughter when you're going 200 miles an hour? Or have you ever developed close, self-disclosing friendships going 200 miles an hour? Or have you been a- ever been able to develop a close connection with God when you're going 200 miles an hour? You see, all these experiences happen best at a slow speed. Some of you may remember this bumper sticker here. Maybe some of you uh, still have this. Speed kills slow down. And I bet if you slowed down enough right now, to really reflect on it, you would say, yeah, you know, that's what speed has been doing in 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 my life. Some of you are, are parents of young children, parents of teenagers, maybe a single parent, and you are tired, exhausted, depleted, and you know that speed is just killing you. For some of you, your marriage is hard and it's a challenge and it's not as good as it used to be. And the reason is because there's always another thing that you have to do. There's always another night that you have to be gone and it's killing you. For some of you students, you're just exhausted with all the things you've got to read and study and write and you feel like there's not time for you and you feel like it's killing you. And some of you may even feel this way about something that's supposed to be good in your life, like involvement in church. We encourage everybody to get involved around here, but maybe in addition to your work and in addition to other things you do around River Glen, you're involved in like three or four small groups, and you're involved in like three or four uh, ministries, and you're so exhausted you want to scream. Something you thought would be good, something you thought would grow your soul is stealing your soul, and it's become like an addiction, and the speed kills And so what do you do when the speed of your life feels out of control? Is it possible for hope to rise? I want to share with you three principles that come straight out of the Bible, and these principles have been absolutely transformative in my life because I've struggled with all these things that I've uh, talked about, and I think these can be transformative in your life uh, too. Here's the first principle. You have to adopt God's rhythm for life. Adopt God's rhythm for life. The Bible teaches God made us in his image, and from the beginning, God didn't work 24-7. No, God established a rhythm for life, a rhythm of work and withdrawal, a rhythm of engagement and rest, of effort and ease. In fact, he built this right into the Ten Commandments, and so uh, follow along as I read the fourth commandment to you. By the way, if you ask someone to name the Ten Commandments, many people can name three or, or four, but this is the one that... Most often, I think, gets forgotten. It's commandment number four. Here's what it says this is from Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse eight. Remember to observe the Sabbath day. And the Sabbath day means a day where you do nothing and reconnect with your Creator. Remember the, the, the Sabbath day uh, by keeping it holy. Six days a week are set apart for your daily duties and regular uh, work. But the seventh day is a day of rest. Uh, dedicated to the Lord your God, on that day no one in your household may do any kind of of work. Now, kids, you you don't want to underline this in your Bible and uh, show this to your parents. No chores on the uh, Sabbath. My parents didn't believe in the Sabbath, but maybe yours will. Uh, This includes you, uh, your sons and daughters, there it is, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. And then he rested on the seventh day. That's why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as uh, holy. And so from the beginning, God established a rhythm for our lives. And what's interesting is that we tend to say God created in six days, and then he didn't create anymore. But he did create on the seventh day. You know what he created? He created rest. And I don't know how exactly, you know, he did that. I don't know if he got to the end of the week and uh, God said, you know, thank me, it's Friday. I'm going to, you know, take a day off. Or God said, you know, I'm just going to prop my feet up on Jupiter here, and I'm just going to relax a little bit. But, you know, this pattern begins. This rhythm begins. And then Jesus came along, and he followed this rhythm in his life. He took a day of rest every seven days, and he didn't feel guilty about it because God said six days you work. Six days you labor, but then you need a day each week where you stop working. And you remember that there's more, uh, there's more than labor uh, to life, you, you need a uh, there, you need a you need a day to remember that you have a soul, and that God loves you. You need a day to remember that you're not a human doing; you're a human being. And many times we forget that. Now I want to just speak to you real candidly uh, for a moment. And I want to say something that might be surprising to you. This might even be alarming uh, to some of you, especially those of you that are really you know win at all cost. Uh, types and tend to be high achieving people who are you know so busy you know you're probably on your smartphone right now you know closing deals and you know working on things. Uh, here's the statement: Unbalanced living may be the greatest sin in this church. I think that's absolutely true. And here's why. I don't think we have, I think it's unlikely we have anybody here, you know, who's embezzling millions of dollars from your company. I don't think we have any terrorists in the room or any axe murderers or anything like that in the room. But I know we have a lot of people, myself included, who get out of rhythm and get unbalanced and we don't honor God's rhythm on how to live. And now I know the pushback, you know, you're probably thinking, you know, right now, you know, hey, Ben, you know, chill out, you know, I mean, you don't know all the stuff I've got to get done. And what's the big deal anyway? Well, here's the big deal. When you have no balance in your life and you do not adopt God's rhythm in your life, people look worse and problems look insurmountable to you and you don't function as well. And when you're out of balance, you see your family as an issue in, in your life rather than as people that you love. And when you're out of balance, those secret sins look more inviting and appealing. And it's easier to hide those secret sins because you have all this other stuff going on. And this might be the greatest consequence of all. You get so busy, you stop having time for God. You know, I can't tell you how much it breaks my heart when I hear people uh, say things like, uh, well, we haven't been to church for several months because we've just been so busy. And I think to myself, are you kidding me? You know, you, you, you've gotten so busy that you don't, have, you don't have time for the one who created you? Are, are you kidding me? You know, you, you've gotten so busy that you know, you, you've allowed you know, yourself to get so busy that you don't have time for the one who created time? I know it's easy, especially in our culture, you know, to to fill up our schedules, especially as parents. I mean, there's a lot of good opportunities and activities out there uh, for our kids. And it's easy to overschedule our families, overschedule our kids. And you might even think you're helping your kids by keeping them busy. But you know what? If we're too busy for God, we're too busy. And your kids suffer for it. And you do too. Their soul is dying. And, and so is yours. And so God says, before that happens, let's create this little mini vacation where once a week you adopt my rhythm in your life, and you rest, and you reconnect with me, and, and you know what? It'll make you better when you go back uh, to work. You know, you know what this really comes down to? It really comes down to this one question. How much do you trust God? Are you convinced that a refueled, refreshed, renewed, rested, you can accomplish more in six days than a worn out, exhausted, depleted version of you can accomplish in seven days? Or do you think, you know, you can accomplish more your way than, than God's way? To be at your best, you have to adopt God's rhythm um, of, of life. That's our first principle. All right, here's the second principle. Find activities that refresh. Find, we need to find activities. That, that, that refresh us. Here's a question that used to bother me is if, if God is all powerful and, you know, if God never sleeps, why did he rest on the seventh day? I mean, did, did, he, get, did he get tired? Did God say, wow, oh, I've had a long week, you know, I need to, uh, I need to rest up, I'm exhausted. No, no, I don't think that's why God took a day off because God doesn't get physically tired. So there must be other benefits to rest than just restoring bones, and muscles. Let me show you a verse that I think gives us some insights. This is from Exodus 31. It says, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but he rested on the seventh day and he was refreshed. You see, even if you're not even physically tired, you need to get out of your work routine just to be refreshed. This word refresh is really interesting. It literally means to breathe in. You see, for six days God's been breathing out and speaking everything into existence. He spoke, and he created the the moon and the stars and the sun. He spoke humanity into existence. For six days, God breathed out. But then on the seventh day, it says he breathed in, and he was refreshed. And we need to do that as well. That's why all of us need some recreational activities that refuel us. And refresh us. That's why it's called recreation, because it recreates energy and vitality and perspective. Recreation breathes life into you and it reminds you that God is incredibly good. You know, several years ago, I realized something about uh, my life. I-, I love my job, but I realized I didn't have any hobbies. And I would just work all the time. And then I'd go home and I'd read you know, books about how to work even more. And some of you maybe can, you know, relate to that, that it's important to have hobbies and pastimes and sports and activities that refresh you. And I began to learn some things like those that work with their minds tend to relax best with their hands. And so, you know, maybe you need to, you know, do things like, like gardening or cooking or restoring an old car or, you know, playing golf or, or something like that. There you go, guys. Happy, happy Mother's Day uh, to you. Uh, you know, these kinds of things, that really, they're, they're beneficial because they refresh us. I also learned that if you're an introvert, then you, know, you need to spend some time alone because you refuel that way. And if you're an extrovert, you need to spend some time with other people because you tend to refuel uh, that way. I heard a pastor suggest that we need three levels of refreshment in our lives. He says, first of all, you need to divert daily. And what this means is, you need to take about 15 minutes each day, just you and God, and you need to quiet down. Maybe you take this time during your lunch break or some other pocket of time, and that refreshes you for the day. Divert daily, and then you withdraw weekly. You uh, you, you take a day to be with God and family and friends and loved one. You take a day for rest and refreshment every week of your life, and then you abandon annually. You take a vacation, and not a working vacation. But a vacation where you do nothing but uh, refresh. You take a week or two or or whatever you can. And and if you can't afford to go away, uh, take a staycation and uh, enjoy where God has already uh, placed you. Now, let me give you a little caution on this, all right? Because men and women tend to refresh themselves uh, differently. And uh, ladies, you can't expect your husband to think, you know, the same way that that you do and, and vice versa. In fact, I came across a piece of data that... Kind of demonstrates this, and it's and it's uh, about how you know men and women refresh themselves differently, and it's revealed in their diaries. And uh, right there, you can tell this is fictitious uh, because men don't write in in diaries, all right. But uh, you know, women like to you know go out to eat and and enjoy lots of conversation. They they refresh. They tend to refresh uh, that way. You know whether or not the food ever comes. And uh, guys, uh, not so much. And so here was the uh, woman's diary. She wrote, Tonight I thought my husband was acting weird. We had made plans to meet at a nice restaurant for dinner. Conversation wasn't flowing, so I asked him what was wrong. He said nothing. On the way home, I told him that I loved him. He smiled slightly and kept driving. I can't explain his behavior. I don't know why he didn't say, I love you too. When we got home, I felt as if I had lost him completely, as if he wanted nothing to do with me anymore. He just sat there quietly and watched TV, continued to seem distant and absent. Finally, with silence all around us, I decided to go to bed. About 15 minutes later, he came to bed, but I still felt he was distracted and his thoughts were somewhere else. He fell asleep. I cried. I don't know what to do. I'm almost sure that his thoughts are with someone else. My life is a disaster. Here's the husband's diary. A two-foot putt. Who the heck misses a two-foot putt? <laughs> yeah. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, <laughs> but guys, I haven't forgotten you. And, uh, and so we're going to accept each other's differences along the way as we find ways to refresh ourselves. All right, here's the third principle. Move into environments that refuel, move into environments that refuel. Here's one of the most uh, familiar uh, verses of scripture from the Bible, and even if you don't know very many scriptures, you probably have heard this scripture uh, before, probably at a funeral, but it has so much to say about how we live our lives. It's from Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Now, if if God's the shepherd, as it says here in this uh, scripture, what does that make me? Sheep, right? Do you know this? That if a sheep lays on its back, not on its side, all the way on its back, it's called a cast sheep. And it can't get up on its own. It'll lay there and it'll start flailing its legs. And unless somebody comes along and helps the sheep, it's going to die laying on on its back. You see, God wants me to take time to refresh and refuel by putting myself in green pastures beside quiet water, so to speak, but he doesn't want me to just lay there on my back. He he wants me to get refreshed and then get up and do things. God wired you up to do things. And so for all the type A people that think, you know, I knew it, you know, church is about, you know, sitting around, singing, you know, just being passive and quiet. No, no, no. God's wired you up to do things, but you do need to have these moments in green pastures that refuel your soul. That's why it says in Luke chapter 4 that Jesus made it his custom to gather at the synagogue, the local synagogue, every week, week for worship because it refueled his soul. And that's why near the end of the Bible, take a look here at what it says. Let us not give up meeting together, kind of like we're doing you know, right now. Let's not give up meeting together as some of our habit are doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, as we wait for Jesus to return, we don't give up meeting like this because it refuels our soul. Every summer, my wife and I uh, and our our kids, we get away for a week or two for some vacation, and oftentimes we'll go visit family in Kentucky or uh, Tennessee. And uh, you know what I discover when I go there? Is that rest is so much, for me, rest is so much more than just not working. Because when I'm there... I, need to, I still need to engage with church. And so we go to church with family or we go to church somewhere else because, there, because there's just something about reconnecting with God in environments like this that allow God to speak into our life. And it allows the Holy Spirit to guide and nudge us in the right direction. But if you don't have these, these moments, okay, then you don't receive these leadings. From God. Very often on the weekend I'll hang out in the lobby and I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody come up to me and they'll say something like this. They'll say, you know, I was so exhausted. I've had such a busy week that I I, I almost didn't come to church this weekend, but I came anyway. And I am so glad that I did because we all need these moments together so that God can refuel our soul. And so here's our our, our our dilemma that we all deal with: Are we going to go? With, are we going to go with speed, or are we going to take care of our soul? Because you, you you can't do both. Now you can. I mean, you can work hard and you can go fast, but you need to take moments to tend to your soul. And so we need to go back to the way that God told us how to live and adopt His rhythm for life, and find activities that refresh us and move into environments that refuel us. And so. What we want to do right now is, is we want to give you an opportunity to experience that. And so in a moment, we're going, to, we're going to share communion together. And during this time, it's an opportunity to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. And it becomes refueling for us. I'm going to pray, and then our ushers will begin uh, passing communion trays. And if this is new to you, you, know, you can take a pass on it, but our communion is open to all followers of Jesus as a time to just hit the break and let God replenish and refresh, refresh us and teach us how to live. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for your incredible love for us and how even though we're so busy and have so much going on, you can still make hope rise. And God, even in moments like this, these last few moments of being together today and thinking about how you want to refuel us and replenish us and help us to be the people you created us to be and and live and enjoy life to the fullest. God, we're just, we're just so humbled by that. So right now, we, we just want to take some time and just, and just shut out everything else. And let you speak to our hearts and refresh us and refuel us. And as we take this communion, Father, we, we think about Jesus and his life that was given for us. That refuels us and gives us hope and frees us from our debt of sin and shame and guilt. And, and now we can be close to you. And so, God, would you continue to speak to us over these next few moments, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.